And good Wednesday to you and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser and you're listening to the Wednesday edition of The Grind. I tell you, uh, excited to be in here, but I, the allergies and, and the um, the sneeze monsters, as I tell my little boys, um, they know when you're about to do something because I'm sitting here just doing my thing, preparing, uh, and then all of a sudden here comes the sneezes about 45 seconds before we would go on. So if I sound like I'm stopped up, it's because it's because I've been sneezing. So uh, total disclosure there. But uh, good show today as we're going to talk about the NASCAR All-Star Race, what the what to expect from tonight's you know battle in Thunder Valley. And then also we're going to talk about some dropping news yesterday about Cade Mays, uh, his transfer request. And then also the Southeastern Conference makes a announcement about a delay but there was one huge sport absent in that discussion so I think uh, uh, shelved is a good good thing uh, I think it leaves that opportunity out there for real-time football and uh, we'll talk about that uh, in the next segment and then again at the final uh, segment of the day it'll be 52 days until it's football time in Tennessee talks about guys like Mike Webster uh, big offensive lineman for the Steelers back in the day. And then also Ray, the nasty linebacker, Lewis. I mean, just uh, just some big-time players and guys who on the field uh, did some really great things. Again, maybe questionable other places, uh, but on the field nonetheless. But NASCAR uh, will head to Bristol, uh, Tennessee for their you know, their inaugural, I guess, short track all-star race, uh, mainly held at Charlotte Motor Speedway, has went outside the home of NASCAR's state uh, just one other time. It went to Atlanta in 1986. That was won by Bill Elliott, uh, and they will now travel outside of Charlotte and head to Bristol, the high banks of Bristol, uh, to get the the drivers their all-star race uh, tonight. An 8.30 start time, the the uh, open, which is a three-segment uh, kind of play-in race, uh, will happen at 7 o'clock, and, and it will be, of course, on FS1 as well. But but Bristol, the .55, .533-mile concrete short track is a far cry from the, the flat banks, high speeds of Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, if you look at, at what, what the details of the race is, uh, Bristol – Bristol is is just over half a mile, held its first cup race 1961, but just the second time since 1985, uh, the All-Star Race will be away from its traditional stop at Charlotte. The track has a concrete surface, measures 650 feet long in the straightaway, and a variable banking in the turns ranging from 24 degrees to 28 degrees. The front stretch is banked from 5 to 9 degrees, and the back stretch is four to eight degrees. So uh, not the same anywhere and gives a lot of problems uh, to a lot of different people and not a lot of room for 40 different cars uh, to move around in a normal race. Uh, again, just 20 in the uh, in, in the all-star race, So, but it will be uh, still a tight fit to get all these cars in there. The 2020 all-star race comprised of four stages for a total of 140 laps, 55 laps to begin, two 35-lap stages, and a 15-lap dash for cash finish. When you think about it, uh, 140 laps at Bristol 
it doesn't take that long to get there. Uh, you'll probably get 55 laps in in about 25 minutes, as long as no no accidents happen. Those 35 lap segments, uh, those will be about 15 minutes, and then the 15 lap da- dash for cash. I think there'll be a lot of wrecks in it, but if they were to turn this thing open for 15 laps, I mean you're talking under 10. So uh, just think about that as the uh, the time will be of the essence for a million dollars. The NASCAR Open, All-Star Open, will take place just before the All-Star Race. It'll be three segments, 35, 35, and 15. The winners of each segment will earn a spot in the All-Star Race, and a winner of a fan vote will enter into the race. So it'll be a total of 20 drivers. 16 of those have been locked into place, and they have been decided their starting position by random draw. Martin Truex Jr., the Joe Gibbs Toyota, the number 19 car, and Alex Bowman, the number 88 car of, of Rick Hendrick, will be on the front row. Uh, and then the rest of them are pretty much just in no particular order. Uh, but if you look at the guys that have an all-star race spot locked in, Ryan Blaney, Alex Bowman, Kurt Busch, Kyle Busch, Cole Custer, Chase Elliott, Justin Haley, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Jimmy Johnson, Eric Jones, Matt Kenseth, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Ryan Newman, and Martin Truex Jr. Uh, the three winners of the segments and the the fan vote co- winner will, of course, uh, move forward uh, to the all-star race. The guys that will be in the open will be guys like Michael McDowell, driver of the 34 Front Row Motorsports car, Eric Almarola, the number 10, Christopher Bell, number 95, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in the 47 machine, Tyler Reddick, The number eight car, Bubba Wallace in the Richard Petty Motorsports 43. William Byron in the 24 car. Chris Buescher, 17. Clint Boyer in the Stuart Haas 14 machine. Matt DiBenedetto, the Woods Brothers 21. Austin Dillon, the number three, Richard Childress. Ryan Priest, 37. J.J. Ailey, 27. Garrett Smithley, 53. Brennan Poole, 15. Quinn Hoof, double zero, the Starcom Racing Timmy Hill in, C- in the 66 Motorsports Business Management uh, car. Joey Gase in the 51 car. Daniel Suarez, 96. John Hunter Nemechek, 38. Ty Dillon, 13. And Corey LaJoy, 32. So those will be the drivers fighting for three of those spots in the All-Star Race. And then a fan vote will uh, will move forward to the 20-car 140-lap feature race uh, that is the NASCAR All-Star Race. There will be, you know, one of the twists and turns to this deal is is how many people is going to be there. You know, there's going to be 30-plus thousand people there, and it was a random draw uh, between season ticket holders, and then they released some of those to the public. But if you look at it, uh, this is going to be the most attended sporting event since March. Let that sink in. Bristol, Tennessee, 75, 80 miles uh, to our east. I guess I, I, I guess northeast. Yeah, northeast. Um, Bristol, Tennessee will host 30-plus thousand people. There hasn't been 30-plus thousand people in one location for a sporting event uh, since March. That's a, that's a shocking factor. Honestly, probably Tennessee's game against um, against – were we playing Alabama there in the opening round of the SEC tournament? Uh, that was probably the most most attended Tennessee event uh, since since COVID or or prior to COVID. That was the last one. Uh, so there'll be thirty plus thousand people in the stands, and and I hope this is an example of how to handle things. 
Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see, uh, you know, with with the opportunity uh, of how they're going to enter. I've seen my my one of my good friends and I are gonna are gonna make the trip. Um, they have designated entry times. Uh, there's three different staged entry times, and they're gapped uh, to probably uh, keep everybody kind of kind of low rent. I'm excited to be able to get in there, uh, see how they designate where you're going to sit, how they manage people doing and don't what they ask them to do, and, and then I think it's it's going to be an interesting dynamic as to how you how you exit just as much as how you come in. So uh, I'm excited to see all of that side of it because, again, I, I think this lays some groundwork for what could happen in other areas because I, I think the opportunity to have full stadiums is, is kind of a farce. I think at this point, the fall of 2020, and, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe, maybe there will be full stadiums, but going into the fall of 2020, I think just expecting football is probably high, high marks. I, I think if we just get football, I, I'm, I'm excited. Believe me, with TV, radio, and, and the, all the, the outlets that you have, I'm more than willing to, uh, to let that happen for there to be a season. Uh, and so I, I think Bristol's gonna gonna kind of give a caveat to get into some some attendance in the stands. How do you manage that? How do you handle that? Is the is there enough room? Should there be more? Should can there be less? All those questions can come to answer there tonight because I think there's going to be a dynamic uh, coming out of this thing that you 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 know got to be evaluated. So I mean, if you look at what the All Star race will look like on the track, besides how how the 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 face mask and the the distancing and all those things are handled. There'll be some new things uh, that that are rolling out. Three special implementations for Wednesday night's All-Star Race. First, the paint schemes will be different as the numbers will shift to the the rear of the, the door, almost on the quarter panel, that allows for a big approved panel uh, for even another large sponsor integration. So I think it'll be interesting. I think it looks bad, just to be quite honest with you. I don't like the way it looks. It makes it look like the, the front end of the car is just super long, and, and it just it just looks off-center. And, and an OCD person as I am, uh, that that's a big deal to me. So I'm not a big fan of it, but I understand that uh, you got a lot of dollars that you're covering up with just a number. And so if you can scoot that back and, and make some paper, I think at this time and day uh, you got to do those things. Second, the cars will feature underglow lighting beneath the machines. The underglow lighting were first used by Chip Ganassi at Nashville during Champions Week in 2019. It was a special flair to the burnout on Broadway event, uh, but it has since gathered some legs, and will, all cars will have such in tonight's all-star race. And then finally, officials will implement a choose rule. Uh, again, that's in quotes, choose rule. During Wednesday night's open and all-star race competition, it allows uh, to choose which lane uh, that the drivers want to restart in. Before the green flag, drivers will approach a designated spot on the track and must commit to a lane. Uh, failure to make a clear choice or changing lanes after the spot will result in a tail-of-the-field penalty. So I think there will be some growing pains with that one tonight, but I think it's an interesting dynamic because it really – Instead of finding a groove post-restart, I think you, you'll have to commit to one and at least through the start-finish line uh, have to do some uh, some level of maneuvering from a spot you have chosen. 
The 2020 NASCAR rule package for short track will be in effect tonight as it will have a tapered spacer uh, to keep the cars down to just 750 horsepower. The cars will use a reduced downforce package uh, with a shorter spoiler, a shorter splitter that will overhang other dynamic changes uh, that will hopefully push the downforce uh, into the track just a little bit. NASCAR will run uh, the same tire setup uh, that was debuted in the May race at Bristol. Uh, the, the same tire codes and things will be allotted. Teams will have four sets of Goodyear tires for the All-Star race, and then All-Star Open teams will have three sets. So, again, three sets for the Open, four sets for the All-Star race. Little stats to know. Kyle and Kurt Busch have a firm grip on Bristol Motor Speedway as they've won uh, as much as any other pair of active drivers. Uh, younger brother Kyle... Uh, leads the way with eight Bristol victories, just ahead of his brother Kurt's six short track wins at Bristol. Matt Kenseth, who recently got back into the Cup Series, is now on the list next at four career wins at Tennessee's short track. And Darrell Waltrip's 12 Bristol wins is the leading overall. So even though Kyle has owned Bristol in some regards, uh, still a little bit away from Darrell Waltrip's 12. Keselowski is the most recent winner at Bristol Motor Speedway as he got the Supermarket Heroes 500 victory in May. Denny Hamlin uh, has earned a victory uh, after a late race battle with Matt DiBenedetto to, to secure his second win at Bristol in the annual night race last August. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. won the last Cup Series stop at, sh at a short track as he won at Martinsville on June the 10th. Uh, Truex has won four of the Cup Series' last six races on short tracks, including a season sweep last year at Richmond Raceway and a postseason win at Martinsville. The lone defeats in that stretch, a 13th place outcome in Bristol's night race last year and when he pitted uh, with a flat right front in the final stage. And then he also had a 20th place finish in May. So uh, Bristol has not been super kind to Martin Truex Jr., but he has had short track success. Uh, Hendrick Motorsports leads all organizations in all-star race categories. All-star wins, Hendrick Motorsports has eight, with Jimmy Johnson four, Jeff Gordon three, and Terry Labonte's one. Uh, team owner Rick Hendrick has also had the most all-star drivers, 22. Most all-star top five finishes, 38. And all-star laps led 700. And 13. Statue thought you didn't need to know, but now, now you know. Live coverage of the event can happen on FS1. It'll hit the, the all-star race will take place at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. And then you can also check it out on the Fox Sports app. But you can also listen to MRN Radio, Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Uh, and then also at 7 o'clock on FS1, uh, the, the open uh, race will happen that will have three stages that will have three entries into the, the all-star race. Uh, the 2019 race winner will not repeat as Kyle Larson uh, earned a victory in the 2019 all-star race at Charlotte, taking the lead on the last lap to win the final segment and secure $1 million. So active all-star race winners, Jimmy Johnson does have four, Kevin Harvick two, Kurt, Kyle, Denny, Matt Kenseth, Joey Logano, and Ryan Newman all have one apiece. And then active Bristol winners, again, Kyle, Kurt, and Matt Kenseth lead the way with eight, six, and four, respectively. Keselowski has three. 
Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Joey Logano, and Jimmy Johnson all have two. So with that being said, Jeffy Mack and I talked a little yesterday about who who we thought was hot to trot and who could have a really good impact uh, here at Bristol at the All-Star Race. I, I go to Kyle Busch. I, I really do. I think he's got a, a, a strong car always at Bristol. He knows the, the track. And with the shortened segments, uh, with it being a, 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 what was it, 55, 35, 35, 15, uh, when you look at that, you got to make some moves really quick. And he's aggressive enough to do that and smart enough to know how to do it at Bristol. Uh, so in, in shootout style at a Bristol track uh, that, that that he's had a ton of success at, I think number nine victory at Bristol comes tonight to, to Kyle Busch. Uh, but I also think uh, it's not going to be easy for him as a lot of people is going to be vying uh, for that million dollars. But I also like I like Chase Elliott. I think what he's been able to do and as the aggressiveness uh, that he's brought to the table will will hopefully uh, play right into his favor here at Bristol. He's not running the prettiest car, so it won't be a great one to send to victory lane. But I think any car is good enough to win in uh, when you when you talk about. Uh, uh, the 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 Elliots and and the opportunities that they've had, but you talk about it. Second time that this thing's been away from Charlotte. The last time that happened, Daddy Bill got the victory. So could they make it an Elliot deal when you're away from Charlotte? Elliot's reign supreme. We'll we'll see what happens tonight. But I'm picking Kyle Busch. I think that's the uh, odds-on favorite there. But uh, who knows? Let's take us a break. Listen to our fine sponsors when we come back. SEC makes announcement, but honestly leaves out football we'll talk it all on the flip you're listening to the grind we'll be right back your hometown alternative to ordinary sports radio 100.9 fm 850 am rocky top sports Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. 2020 has been anything but predictable, but there is one thing we can count on. Football will be back. Blunt Broadcasting is proud to remain the radio home for two of Tennessee's most successful high school football programs, Maribel High School and Alcoa High School. Each team looks to repeat as state champions, and your support is needed to get these great programs off and running here in 2020. So, if you or your business would like to support these great student-athletes and great coaches, then help Blunt Broadcasting get their games on the radio. Give us a call and let WGAP and WKVL Radio get working for you. Give us a call at 865-724-1100. That's 865-724-1100. Or shoot us an email at info at wkvl.com. Let's work together to get your great business and these local high schools the exposure they have earned and deserve. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. 
So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. In response to the COVID-19 coronavirus outbreak, and in what the Blunt Partnership sees is the best interest of its visitors, employees, and community. Taste of Blunt, slated for September 10th in Maryville. The Townsend Fall Festival, scheduled for September 25th and 26th at the Townsend Visitor Center. And the Best of Blunt Awards, booked in October, are canceled. The events will not be rescheduled in 2020. These fall events are cherished productions that the community looks forward to annually. But the current environment is not conducive to holding large events where physical distancing is difficult. Have you heard about or seen the Grand's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grand from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media but if you say i don't like social media but i like podcasts we've got those too you can download the grind podcast on apple podcast and google play music directly from the website it's a one-stop shop for everything the grind check us out online thegrindonsports.com that's thegrindonsports.com got golf iguanifarmsgolf.com 970-7132 Have you been asking yourself if it's time to take that business idea and make it a reality? Do you need help with marketing or getting a leg up on the competition? Then check out my friends at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville. A company invested in Blount County and ready to help. They can take your business to the next level. Mike, Jana, and the staff at 42nd Street are a dream to work with, and I'm proud to say that they built the grindonsports.com into what it is today. But if you need marketing and maybe don't know where to start, check out my guys at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville. Their phone number is 865-982-7007, or you can check out their work online, 42SD.com. Again, phone line is 865-982-7007, or online at 42SD.com. Check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM. Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKBL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to the Wednesday edition of The Grind. As as athletic directors and administrators met on Monday in Birmingham to represent all 14 Southeastern Conference programs, we ha- finally have some news from the league office. Uh, the start of several fall sports have been postponed by the SEC, although football is still scheduled to start on time. The sports have been that have been affected include volleyball, soccer, cross country. Uh, here's a statement issued by the Southeastern Conference on Tuesday. It said the SEC, the Southeastern Conference, announces Tuesday that it will postpone the start of volleyball, soccer, and cross country competition at least through August 31st. The decision will provide additional time to prepare for a safe return of competition 
on an adjusted timeline. The delay in competition include all exhibition and non-conference games. Uh, SEC institutions will continue to follow the guidance of the conference return to activity and medical advisory task force and the NCAA's resocialization of college sports guidelines as student-athletes engage in preseason preparation for a return to competition. Any rescheduling of non-conference contact contests impacted by the postponed start of fall season uh, will be determined by each school. Uh, the SEC continues to monitor development related to COVID-19 and evaluate the potential impact of all fall sports. Now, with the understanding that the primary responsibility of the Southeastern Conference and its institution is to ensure the health and well-being of its student-athletes. So again, uh, comments related to, uh, says money. Don't let anybody tell you that it's not about it. I, I don't disagree there. Uh, I think there are some things that were going to be scheduled pre-August 31st for some of those other sports. And so you had to get out there and actually delay the season. Whereas, you know, in a lot of cases, uh, September 1st, 2nd, 3rd is kind of the, the hit for, for college football. So I think actually postponing football was not necessary at this point. But I, I do think uh, when you look at it, it's easy uh, to postpone a cross-country event because it's a non-revenue sport. Uh, it's easy to, to postpone volleyball, non-revenue sport. Uh, but, but I think, and you know, even, even ladies soccer, I think they, they're, they make some money, but I, I wouldn't think that it's any kind of impact, uh, like the likes of football. Uh, <laughs> this one said it's, they say the primary responsibility and I call this lies. That's funny. That was by not true dog, uh, 14 hours ago. It said it's, it's possible. It could be about both. I don't doubt the well-being of student-athletes is a primary concern, but as it relates to college football, there's an awful lot of money on the table, and they don't want to walk away from that. There's gonna, they're going to exhaust all efforts to get it in, even if they have to cancel all sports for the upcoming season. Uh, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I look at it uh, in this regard, and this is just my opinion. You, you know, I think the Southeastern Conference, there's no, there's no push uh, to firmly make a decision right now. That's why I question the Big Ten, the Pac-12, those conferences that have come out and just staunchly said we're doing conference only. Why? Like, I, I mean, I understand, but I, I think if you, the history shows if you look at the volatility of this virus and you look at the volatility of our country in, in everything that's going on right now, what a difference a couple weeks make. What a difference – uh, just just an opportunity to, to gather more information gives you. Uh, and, and so I, I, I applaud the SEC for just pausing and saying, listen, we've got this month of July that people are still on campus. They're still doing their thing. It's not delaying fall camp. Let's just hold tight and see what July brings. Because in a lot of areas, uh, well, this whole country is in general is seeing spikes in, in COVID cases. So you could come in and be harsh and go one way, and maybe that's the most protected way. But you could also see this thing flatten there towards the back end of the month. And, and you know, you, you've not had to basically draw a line in the sand and, 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 and hold yourself to certain standards. So I don't necessarily mind the, the delay in the decision. Some people want to know that they need it here and now. And, and granted, I'm all about wanting to know whether it's going to happen or not. 
but but quite honestly, I'm at the local level right now. I'm I'm wanting high school football to happen. I'm wanting I'm wanting kids to get back to school. I'm wanting I'm wanting kids to to have an opportunity to be in classrooms. Uh, I, I think at that level uh, is where where I'm kind of focused at the moment. But you know, uh, if the Southeastern Conference came out and said uh, we're doing conference only, and then two weeks later changed their tune, uh, what what does that I mean? What does that afford us? You know, in in my book, uh, just just pause, get all your information, understand your deadlines, and then make smart decisions. That's what they get paid to do. That's what we're expecting them to do, and so that's what I'm going to allow them to do. So um, I, I do think, and I, I'm going to continue reading some of these comments because they're like epic. <laughs> this one, it says it's from Kirby Smart, but I'm pretty sure it's not. It said cross country, is that really a sport? It's people running around the woods for 15 to 18 minutes with no one but coaches uh, watching them. I don't know that that's true. Uh, it, it's not the the thing that I'm after. Uh, again, I've always said that I'd love to get into running, but nobody nobody will commit to chasing me that long. Uh, but you know, I, I don't know that it's not a sport. Uh, another one says that it may not be a spectator sport, but it very much is a sport. I would agree to that. As the logic uh, of this virus continues, all three sports compared to to 22 guys kind of just beating and banging on each other for three to four hours. Uh, he said, I would take cross country at this point. And I think there's some point to that. You know, I, I think, you know, at this point, when 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 the Ocho uh, comes on ESPN and you're, you're literally thinking it's real deal sports, when you're really, like, competitively watching some things, I think we're in bad shape. I'll be honest with you. I've watched old football games. I've watched almost all the 30 for 30s. Uh, I've watched – uh, historical things. I've watched. I've watched OJ Made in America like twice. I am ready for something. I'm ready for something. I was watching golf on Sunday, and granted, I like watching golf periodically with the Masters. Uh, you know, with the the U.S. Open, with the British Open, all of those those major tournaments. But I'm watching like the the Dave Chappelle uh, half baked 25 25th anniversary special Open. Uh, played in like Nevada or something. I'm just saying, like that's total dramatization. But I was watching golf on Sunday, so I, I'm just sitting here and I'm like, I'm just ready for something. I'm just ready for for something. And that, I guess that's why NASCAR is so appealing to me lately, is because they're they're moving forward. Now, granted, they have that opportunity. Social distancing is taken to the max, and when I say max, I'm talking like 200 miles an hour in a car to the max. Fan attendance is, is very good post-race, but during the race, it doesn't take away uh, from the action. So, again, TV is very uh, able uh, to keep it still very, very relative and still very entertaining. So, anyway, I, I'm saying that they have an easier road uh, to how to navigate this, but they're still navigating this, which I feel like in in these times we found out who – who can lead and who probably shouldn't. And and in that regard, that's that's kind of where that's at. But I'm excited that, that the SEC has made decisions for those sports. I think that's good for them and their student athletes and their families. Uh, but I, I'm glad also uh, that they kind of held off on football, just to be quite honest with you. I, I don't think a decision had to be made, and I don't think they have good enough information to feel good about September right now. And so, granted, leave that off the table, and then you uh, you can give yourself some time to gather some July data, 
and then uh, come back to the table uh, later in the month. But I think Greg Sankey made the comment prior to this after Monday's meeting, and he basically said these next two weeks are super critical. And I think I think that's probably an understatement, maybe the biggest understatement uh, that we've seen in some time. But, um, you know, I think I think the next couple of weeks is going to be huge. I think people uh, in all states, counties, however you want to look at it, uh, you know, they, they need to kind of lock this thing down. They need to, you know, travel is a good thing in the summertime, but it, is it a necessity? I think we've got to ask ourselves, what are we giving up uh, to, to put ourselves at risk going to these 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 kind of remote locations and these these issues these hotbeds for for coronavirus spread. So uh, again, just be careful. Uh, take care of yourself. Wear wear mask. Wash hands and stay six feet away from people. Just just I think those three things that takes care of what you need to take care of. But uh, that's kind of where we're at on the SEC's announcement yesterday. Start of some fall sports will be delayed. Football not on that list but again most football starts in the month of september and so they just went through august 31st for the other ones so i don't see them as related but i can see why you would hesitate to delay college football but hey let's take another break today listen to these great sponsors when we come back we're going to talk about Cade mays a little a little nugget came out yesterday about his transfer situation no news is not always good news I think we're getting antsy to see if big number 77 can strike it up for the Big Orange this fall. I think everybody's hopeful, but we need to get some answers. We'll talk about why it's not there and what his old representation had to say. We'll be right back. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming. But Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. Rule King is your source for livestock feed at the lowest prices every day. And now is excited to introduce the Country Road Advantage line of horse feed with five formulas, including a 12% pellet feed, 12% textured, complete horse, senior horse, and 14% all life stages. The Country Road Advantage starts at $12.99 for a 50-pound bag. Learn more at RuleKing.com or at your neighborhood Rule King, America's farm and home store. Have you heard about or seen the Grind's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grind from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts. We've got those too. You can download the Grind Podcast on Apple Podcast and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything the Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. 
Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work? Or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. 2020 has been anything but predictable, but there is one thing we can count on. Football will be back. Blunt Broadcasting is proud to remain the radio home for two of Tennessee's most successful high school football programs, Maryville High School and Alcoa High School. Each team looks to repeat as state champions, and your support is needed to get these great programs off and running here in 2020. So, if you or your business would like to support these great student-athletes and great coaches, then help Blunt Broadcasting get their games on the radio. Give us a call and let WGAP and WKVL Radio get working for you. Give us a call at 865-724-1100. That's 865-724-1100. Or shoot us an email at info at wkvl.com. Let's work together to get your great business and these local high schools the exposure they have earned and deserve. Got something you're grinding on? Give us a call at 865-983-4310. Now back to the grind with host Wayne Kaiser. 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKVL studios right here at Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to the Wednesday edition of The Grind. As, as you know, we kind of transition to the next topic. I, I was listening to, to that ad there talking about supporting Alcoa Maryville football here in the fall as we try to get this stuff on the radio. As, you know, we're planning uh, for, for a, a early September start, and we're, uh, we're planning for, for that to go forward. We know as much as anyone else. Uh, but we are making plans uh, to get these games on the radio. And again, I had an opportunity yesterday uh, just to talk with uh, Mr. Chambers, the, the the father of Kay Chambers, former quarterback, Maryville High School. He's on his way uh, to Indiana State here in just a just a week or so. And, and you know, I'm just looking back at, at a 15 and 0 season, a state championship run, and, and really a a dynamic group of seniors. You know, you talk about Cade Chambers, what what a leader he was. Got to talk to him yesterday some too, and, and he's just super stoked uh, to have an opportunity to go to Indiana State, compete, you know, and be, be, an, be an opportunity to, to help them implement some things uh, that not only he, he did in high school, uh, but helped develop and shape uh, during his time here in Maryville. But, uh, you, you know, just there's two great programs, Coach Rankin, Coach Hunt, what they're able to do. Uh, on the football field as well as develop young men uh, is is pretty incredible. I think anybody outside of the county and inside the county, but outside the county very much recognizes that I was that uh, for a long time. And now that I've been a part of it uh, for a couple years now, uh, it's just, it's second to none. I mean, it's it's two programs uh, that you got to, and Blount County as a whole has great programs, but the two that are covered here on this station and our sister station, WGAP, um, Maryville and Alcoa, uh, you just look at it. I mean, 35-plus state championships between the two schools, most of which are coming in the last couple decades, which is, is just speaks to dominance and dynasty level 
level play at, at just a, two high schools that are less than three, four miles apart. So I think it's it's something to be had and something that really needs the uh, the opportunity uh, to to get on the radio. So again, uh, just to, to kind of piggyback off off the the, the promotion there, um, if you or your business need uh, advertisement post COVID, need to let people know uh, what what is going on with your business, any hours that have changed, any uh, any specials that you're doing to get get some things back off the ground, uh, hit us up info at wkvl.com. Or again, seven two four. I think it's. I'd have to look up the number, but because I don't call us very much, but uh, call the station. Stop by. Give me a call. Four two three six zero eight three four zero zero. We'll make it happen. Uh, we'll get you on the air. Uh, we'll we'll make your business exposed throughout the week, and then also be a focal point uh, on Friday night. But as we talk about transition, <laughs> transition is a thing in college football. And, and some things haven't stopped, and that's a waiver request for Cade Mays, a former Georgia Bulldog offensive lineman, uh, turned to Tennessee offensive lineman as Kevin Mays uh, and now Cooper Mays are Vols originally. Uh, Cade has, has found the itch and, and wanted to come back to Rocky Top. The recent news of the transfer from USC JT Daniels to Georgia that was allotted his immediate eligibility uh, made several Tennessee fans kind of question why Cade Mays had not uh, received that same clearance. So, uh, again, just uh, Saturday's Down South staff kind of made some uh, some contacts and got an article out, so I want to share that. Uh, Mays hired Tom Mars uh, early on in the transition, a prominent attorney known for getting his clients eligibility uh, as he, he is, works on waivers uh, with the NCAA. In a recent interview, uh, Mars revealed that he's no longer representing uh, Cade Mays, because of my standby role with NCAA enforcement as an independent advocate, I stopped taking new transfer waiver cases earlier this year and withdrew from the few cases I was involved in, which was one uh, of Cade Mays. He said, I explained uh, the reasons I felt a need to withdraw and told them they were in good hands with Tennessee's compliance department, uh, Mars told Wallace, uh, who was the, the, the article uh, author. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt uh, is still optimistic that transfer uh, Cade Mays will be a good fit and will be able to play here this fall. But he also, Mars weighed in on the Vols' uh, frustration that Mays has not yet heard about his waiver. When he talked about it, he said, I noticed a lot of screeching on Twitter, those are his words, not mine, about why the NCAA hadn't ruled on Cade's waiver request. He said, people don't seem to understand that if done properly, you don't throw together a waiver request in a few days. What's more, uh, what's more, most schools uh, I'd been working with uh, were waiting to see whether the legislative council would pass the one-time transfer without penalty back in May. As you know, that's been bumped out to January, so I think that had to restart some of those uh, conversations. He said, I can tell you the waiver request hadn't been submitted when I withdrew from Cade's case. Uh, though Mays is no longer a Mars client, the attorney is still optimistic that the lineman will be available uh, this fall. He said, my opinion about the merit of Cade's waiver never changed. He said, ask about uh, his opinion on the, the uh, request. He said he feels like he's in good hands with uh, Andrew Donovan and Adam Tate, members of Tennessee's compliance department. He said they're among the best in the business and uh, on my one-hand short list. I guess that's better than a two-hand short list. Uh, but – but here's the deal, and, and a lot of the comments, like I love – I'm a comment stalker. 
Like I, when I watch these things, I'm like, these people say things that I want to say but won't say. Uh, it said, well, his dad gave us a finger, gave us the finger. So, and that was a not true dog statement right there. It said, still not clear on why he left UGA unless the family pressure got too heavy. I don't think that guy watches or reads very much. That's UGA. Uh, my, I, looks like UGA retired. Um, old school dog says, well, the scenario with the missing finger plus the opportunity to play with his younger brother. Anyway, it may be only a one-year deal. Uh, and, and, you know, as he's a, a very strong player, it may be a one-year deal to get an opportunity to go to the NFL. Uh, the NCAA would save themselves a lot of bad press if they would just make a policy where they announce all waiver decisions on the same day every year. I feel like that would get a little heavy. Uh, they could make the decisions throughout the year whenever they want, but make the announcements for everyone uh, on, say, July 15th. That would keep all the fan bases from feeling like they're being messed over uh, or on a waiting system um, for their request. That's from uh, Vols at 1998. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not completely against that. I think, you know, it's one of those deals that's according to when you put the waiver in. I mean, what if you're you're a guy that puts a waiver in in August? You probably don't want to wait till the next July. So I, I would think, you know, you could probably have a quarterly announcement uh, that, that just kind of sets that out. But uh, who knows? Who knows? I, I know that uh, – I know that Georgia, and there's a little bit, there's extenuating circumstances with all cases. None of these things are normally cut and dry. I just didn't want to play there. I want to play here now. Then some of those are a little cut and dry from a, uh, okay, you sit out a year, done. But other things, kind of the Cade May situation, it's very volatile. It's very interesting because you don't know um, some of that interlying story. Again, the dad literally at a UGA event uh, had his finger kind of severed uh, from a folding chair, which I feel like just in me talking about it kind of made me have kind of goosebumps. So not really interested in, in understanding any more than that, but I will say uh, there's definitely water under that bridge for for Mr. Mays, Kevin Mays. Played in the Southeastern Conference as a lineman and then uh, and ended up losing a finger at Georgia. So uh, tell say that for what it is. Uh, gave an opportunity for Cade to, to come back home to Knoxville. But, you, you know, I think we just got to understand the optimism has to be for a reason. I think people feel like if, if you're optimistic, then you have obviously have a good feeling about what, what's coming. You don't see him backing this thing down uh, because he's all of a sudden finding out that he's not available. So I, I'm a he is till he ain't kind of guy, and we're going to plan for, for Cade Mays to suit up for the Vols this fall to try to try to make a difference for what is a building offensive line for what is a uh, a senior quarterback led team and I, I really think JG is going to get the start given the 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 stunted growth of uh, of some of these new guys and, and then I think this backfield is going to be very strong I think the the wide receiver core is going to take a hit but I think there's some young guys to step up so I'm excited for what an offensive line with Cade Mays could look like because again um, I'm optimistic the NCAA clears it up. But I think uh, one's not as true as the other. JT Daniels just must have been a more clear-cut case. But who knows? But all I know is we got to get one more break. Let's get one more break in, listen to these great sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk 52 days till it's football time in Tennessee. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss it. 
Your hometown alternative to Ordinary Sports Radio, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, Rocky Top Sports. Have you been asking yourself if it's time to take that business idea and make it a reality? Do you need help with marketing or getting a leg up on the competition? Then check out my friends at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville, a company invested in Blount County and ready to help. They can take your business to the next level. Mike, Jana, and the staff at 42nd Street are a dream to work with, and I'm proud to say that they built the grindonsports.com into what it is today. But if you need marketing, and maybe don't know where to start, check out my guys at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville. Their phone number is 865-982-7007, or you can check out their work online, 42SD.com. Again, phone line is 865-982-7007, or online at 42SD.com. Check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. 2020 has been anything but predictable, but there is one thing we can count on. Football will be back. Blunt Broadcasting is proud to remain the radio home for two of Tennessee's most successful high school football programs, Maribel High School and Alcoa High School. Each team looks to repeat as state champions, and your support is needed to get these great programs off and running here in 2020. So, if you or your business would like to support these great student athletes and great coaches, then help Blunt Broadcasting get their games on the radio. Give us a call and let WGAP and WKVL Radio get working for you. Give us a call at 865-724-1100. That's 865-724-1100. Or shoot us an email at info at wkbl.com. Let's work together to get your great business and these local high schools the exposure they have earned and deserve. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to the Wednesday edition of The Grind. As we talk 52 days until it's football time in Tennessee, one name comes to mind when you think of 52. Jackie, big explosion, Walker, linebacker 1969 through 71. He refined the role of linebacker at Tennessee under a head co- or linebacker's coach, Lon Hersbrun. Uh, he was in here just a week or so ago, turning into a hard-hitting yet sleek position with his small-body skillful tactics. I would say he didn't turn into it. If you ask Coach Hersbrun, he came from uh, Fulton and went to Tennessee with it. Walker was a two-time All-American for the Vols his junior and senior year. In 1970, he had a daunting defense uh, that we talked much about, 36 interceptions for an untouchable school record. Walker led the Vols with 82 tackles and 42 assists. Uh, He finished his career with 11 interceptions, more than anyone who wasn't a defensive back during his time. He returned those picks for 281 yards and five touchdowns. 
the 281 yards ranked fourth at the time on Tennessee's all-time chart behind three defensive backs, all his teammates. Jack Jolly said, why I wore the number 52? He said, as a walk-on my freshman year, I was given a number from the legend status, number 72 of George Caffigo. He said, I was more than okay with this bit of Tennessee folklore on my uniform every single Saturday, but being a walk-on, I cannot be picky. Therefore, my sophomore year, a new number came my way, number 55. Uh, for a long snapper and a good solid number, however, still a walk-on, still at the bottom of the clout pool, number 55 went to a highly recruited player the very next year. The junior and senior campaign saw some stability kick in at my jersey number. He said, I got number 52. Not sure how the staff arrived at the number, but it stuck with me. As a matter of fact, my South Carolina license plate still promotes the same number to this day, Vols 52. I feel very fortunate to tell folks that I played for the Vols, but too many folks can say, not too many folks can say they had three different jersey numbers, including a college football Hall of Famer. This story still gives me goosebumps sharing the sequence of jersey numbers while playing for the Vols. So Jack Jolly, a center, long snapper, 79 and 80, uh, got his share of Tennessee lore in three different numbers, but settled for two years on number 52. When you look at all-time 52s, William Leffler, uh, 1937. Uh, Hodges, Burr West, more at 38 through 40. Eugene Field, 1941. Joe Steffi, uh, 1944. Howard O'Neill, 1946. Dennis Babb, 1949. Lawrence Croson, uh, 51 and 2. Ray Brand, 56 through 58. Warren Blankenship, 1959 through 61. Joe DeMelfi, 1962. Rod Harkle Road. 64, 5, and 6. Todd Denny, 1967. Larry Johnston, 1968. Jackie, the man Walker, 1969 through 71. Paul Johnson, 73, 4, and 5. Lionel Stewart, 76 through 78. Jake Jolly, um, 79 and 80. Raleigh McKenzie, one of the twins, 82, 3, and 4. Milton Gordon, 86. Tony Clemens, 88 and 9. Craig Martin, 90, 91. Mark Holland, 93-4, Mark Ingram, 95-96, not that Mark Ingram. Kevin Gregory, 97. Cozy Coleman, 98-99, one, one of the better ones to wear that number. Brian Word, 2002. Uh, Rob Smith, 3-4 and 5-0-3, and 5 Victor Thompson, 07 through 10. And Christian Harris, 11 and 12. The current ball to wear, number 52, it's actually held by two guys, Brian Aiken, 6'4", 266-pound redshirt freshman linebacker out of Mount Juliet, Tennessee, by way of Mount Juliet High School. And Matthew Solonsky, a long snapper, 5'11", 235, a sophomore out of Morristown West High School, Morristown, Tennessee. So, uh, again, 52 has had its number. Uh, Jackie Walker, Cozy Coleman, the guys that I like to coin with the number. But a lot of greats uh, to be picking up that jersey number uh, for the big orange. So again, wanna wanna kind of touch base on that. But when you look at 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 you you look at guys that's that's been great uh, to wear the number fifty two. You don't have to go long uh, in the Hall of Fame before you find number fifty two Ray Lewis. Again, we talk about Mike Webster and, and offensive lineman on those Steelers teams is a dynamic as it comes. Again, if you haven't seen the movie Concussion, I'd like to say you should and you'll be glad you did. But that's the, you you should. 
and you'll probably not like me after you do. But it's it's one of those deals where the Mike Webster story is a, is a story of greatness when he played and a, a really tough story on the way out. But the, the number 52 that I kind of hang it on is Ray Lewis. Uh, you look at number 52 off the field, you can have your, your qualms about what happened. But on the field, Baltimore Ravens' Ray Lewis uh, played 16 seasons in the NFL and had no plans uh, to retire. He was a 13-time Pro Bowl selection, a three-time AFC Defensive Player of the Year, and two-time AP Defensive Player of the Year. Lewis led the Ravens to victories in, in Super Bowl 35 and was named the game's MVP. Even if Lewis uh, failed to make it back, he had earned a place as one of the greatest, but he actually kind of capped his career basically starting and finishing at Super Bowl level. Uh, also great number 52s to remember. Number 52, C.C. Sabathia, uh, played for the Yankees for a long time. Uh, one of the bigger pitchers in baseball. Always appreciated that. I always like to see big guys succeed because it just gives you a feeling that maybe you could have done something, but you didn't. But anyway, uh, 52 is a great number. When you look at, at, at the record for Ray Lewis, I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame now, and, and I'm trying to get back to that website. Of course, you always – you always get off. Um, you always get off of it right when you don't need to. But I can get back pretty quick. But you look at, at Ray Lewis and what he was able to do. Um, basically, always, I guess, always by um, he always was able to. I don't know. Uh, 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 adjust. He was always able to impact uh, the offensive side of the ball because it, it didn't matter what you did to stop fifty-two. It was really hard two stop number 52 so i'm looking i finally got back let's get to ray ray lewis uh ray lewis you talk about his overall career he said in his uh in his bio he said wins and losses come a dime a dozen but effort nobody can judge that because efforts between you and you uh he played 17 full seasons out of miami 6'1 240 pound was a first round draft pick 26th overall by the expansion team the ravens in 1996, a hard-hitting linebacker and a team leader. He started at middle linebacker four AFC Championship games and two Super Bowls, uh, twice named, again, the Associated Press Player of the Year. Uh, he had a, a great slew of accolades that I could run down, but again, uh, right here at the top of the hour. But out of Bartow, Florida, Miami Hurricane turned Baltimore Raven, uh, two-time Super Bowl champ, Ray Lewis is, is a great number 52 to remember but if you look at the year 1952 in sports uh american football saw the nfl championship uh the detroit lions again beat the cleveland browns 17 to 7 uh the tennessee volunteers uh in the year 1952 claim the national championship the ap and coaches poll by defeating maryland 28 to 13 uh tennessee volunteers 28 to 13, the 51 national champion. Uh, the 52 college football season saw the Michigan State uh, Michigan State Spartans uh, win the the another form of national champion, and and they did not play in a bowl game. So uh, I don't put a ton of stock in in that one. But uh, you you go down the list, and and a lot of big things was going on in baseball. Uh, the New York Yankees beat the Brooklyn Dodgers four games to three. And in basketball, Kansas defeated St. John's to win the NCAA 
championship. Minneapolis Lakers beat the Knicks for the NBA championship. All champs in 1952. But if you're on your way to work or on your way home, take care, be safe, and yes, grind on.